What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. I am, this is like my 15th time trying this, so we're just going to run this one through. Uh, this is a phenomenal podcast with Cody DeQuisto. And the reason I'm actually making an intro right now for this one, I usually don't do intros because I just like doing it off the cuff and rolling with it. Um, but Cody and I had been missing each other by days, just like here and there. He could do Thursday, I could do Wednesday, he could do Friday, I could do Saturday. Like we just couldn't connect. And then we finally connected just one morning. He was like, hey, I could pop on podcast in an hour. And I was like, me too. Perfect. And I didn't think through this awesome giveaway that we're doing. So I wanted to put it a little bit in the intro. And then the full details for this giveaway are at the end of the podcast. All right. So Cody and I are giving away a Lone Wolf Custom Gear 0.5 tree stand. If you don't know what it is, go look it up, lonewolfcustomgear.com. It is a $400 tree stand that is probably... It's arguably the best tree stand on the market right now for the mobile hunter. There's a couple others out there that are comparable. I'm testing one of them, the Hush from Out on a Limb. But overall, like I've I've also ran this .5 before too. A buddy of mine has one. And I mean, phenomenal, amazing tree stand for a mobile hunter. So anyway, we're giving one of these away. Listen to the podcast. And then at the very end, we talk about it a little bit in the podcast, but at the very end of the podcast, I'll add another kind of like outro with all the details on how to get entered to win this. All right. Hope you guys enjoy the podcast and uh, definitely 100% go listen to the very end of this, get entered to, to, to get this giveaway. Cause this tree stand, like, like I said, it's going to be awesome. And I will be running one in the 2022 season. All right. Let's jump into it. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vein Podcast. Today we got on Cody DeQuisto. And if you don't know who he is, Cody's uh, Cody's family originally started with Lone Wolf, and now they have Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Um, big, big bow hunters. Andre is a massive big buck killer. Cody, if you've ever listened to his podcast, um, had a lot of pressure when he was younger to kill these giants. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, you grow up in a house full of, you know, 180s, 200s, and you're, and so it's like, well, <laughs> it's 180 or die. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you really tapered off into just shooting what you want to shoot and what you like to shoot. And then this year, you knocked down a, a month, a slammer, a 200, right? So, oh, yeah. yep, yep. Man, that is, yeah, that's wild. So, anyway, that's, that's Cody. Um, if you guys don't know him, uh, lonewolfcustomgear.com check that out. And then also you can look for him on the, on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, all that fun stuff. Um, and yeah, I mean, you just been, you've been pretty much hunting your whole life, raised, raised in a hunting family, or at least your dad, big hunter. You, I remember you saying that your siblings don't hunt that much. Uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, ever since I can remember, I've, I've came up in, you know, the outdoors, my originally from Wisconsin. So I'm a Wisconsin boy, uh, as well. And, Nice. um did a you know the the whole up north thing and it was just a you know that that was our vacation and you know up in and uh anago merrill area and <laughs> and um and we you know that's where we always were so we spent our time and in, in a real outdoorsy family okay. um but yes um as far as as far as hunting goes it only you know out of so i have two brother i have one brother and two sisters and um one sister uh is a is a pretty avid hunter um not probably as bit by the bug as as i got but uh, my other two siblings don't really hunt at all like uh, never 
got into it. So yeah, it's kind of, kind of odd how it, you know, it, it, it grabs a few and, and others it doesn't. Yeah, no, I mean, like you find that in a lot of families, like, you know, people who are big athletes and go professional sports players and then their kids are like, yeah, not too interested. Yeah. <laughs> right. So no, yeah, I find, I find that interesting, but yeah, essentially, I mean, raised in a hunting household and we're rolling into season and, um, Cody, you're going to do a, what was it? You're You guys are doing a series on the 200 inch buck that you killed, right? Uh, yeah. So, um, I've been getting a lot of requests on like the, you know, just the stories and everybody and, and we're getting back into podcasting, uh, with the DeQuista series podcast. So, um, what we're going to do is we'll, we'll probably dive into that story, uh, in, in great detail and, and split it up. It was a, it was essentially like a 25 day pursuit, I would say. Um, not all the 25 days were, were hunting in the timber. Um, you know, some, some mental days, some scouting days, some, um, and then a lot of, a lot of hunting, a lot of tactic, uh, and specific kind of, I have, I guess what you would say, maybe a lot of unorthodox, uh, tactics, I, I suppose, but I'm real kind of go get them hunter. Uh, just like we've always kind of stressed about or talked about it, you know, in a mobile fashion. But, uh, this deer in particular is just something that has kind of been like, um, you know, a, a, a goal of mine for my entire life. And not that it was, you know, scored over 200 inches or, um, but just, it's a, it's a different, it's a different world when you get in the deer of that caliber and, and, you know, I mean, just, man, it, it's hard to explain. Um, like, you know, you you kind of touched on it earlier and, and I have, you know, I've shot a lot of deer, um, in my life and, and I got a lot of big deer, um, and a lot of really, or deer that I'm proud of. And to have this kind of hunt be, so memorable and, and, and so kind of, uh, mentally taxing and just the way it played out and, and, and kind of the, the mental warfare and, and all that, and then have it to end with, you know, the biggest buck that I, I have to date. Um, and you know, such a big typical frame and just everything that I kind of, um, I don't even know what you'd say. Uh, you know, everybody's got their, their thing. Right. So if I say, Oh, you know, what are you into Anthony? Like, you know, what is the, what trips your trigger? Is it drop times? Is it, you know, I mean, everybody's got their, you know, right. their, their kind of, their kind of Holy grail buck. And, um, and mine's always been like, I've always wanted just a, just giant typical frame with just a little bit of character. Um, and you know, maybe a few, and I'm, I'm a mass guy. Um, and, to say this deer is massive is an understatement. It, it, you kind of don't even, you kind of don't even realize it. Um, you know, just because the rack is kind of supersized, but such good mass. I think his last, his last measurement out is like five and a quarter. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of people's bases, man. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> he's, um, so he was just an awesome buck and I, and yeah, just the process of that and, and, um, getting him down was just, yeah. That's hard, hard to describe, you know? Ah, uh, no, that's awesome. And they, yeah, the thing, the thing that I want to point out, I've followed the story kind of throughout the season, you know, Instagram feeds you what you watch. And and when your stories would come up, I, I enjoy the, the recaps that you do, 
you know, you yep. kind of post your story, you do those recaps. I like watching those um, because it really tells when you watch those, it's fun to watch them live. Cause you talk about the tactics that you're deploying like that day. And, and, you know, I think you killed them is 25 day endeavor. You killed them on the 18th sit. Um, so there's a lot of tactics that failed, right? You failed 17 times and then you finally got them on the 18th time. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know, so it, it's so tough with social nowadays. And I and last year, um, I started kind of just taking people along like through my season. And um, and what I do is uh, I'll do I'll separate it by day. So usually I try and like you know showcase the day. And it's so hard and it's so time consuming to actually film all the stuff you're doing and actually get all the information out of there. So I would just focus on trying to get you know, a tidbit of, of what was going on that day or where I was at or what I was thinking, whether that be, you know, um, just a pan of the area, a quick update or, and there's so much more that goes into it than that, but it gives people, you know, that, that opportunity to, cause you know, I don't know if I'm going to be successful as I'm doing that. It's just a matter of, you know, last year, um, there was, uh, two hunts that I, was really religious on doing that. And one of the two, I, I ended up connecting on day four. Um, and then the other one, I think it was about 17 or 18 days in, um, similar to this one. Uh, and so typically like when I'm, when I'm hunting, I'll do, I'll break it in by day, but usually every day has at least two sits. So, you know, as I'm going through, um, and doing my day by day breakdown, you can kind of, um, you can kind of, uh, or you can gauge like two sits per day, sometimes three. Sure. Um, I've even sat four or five times, times a day in, you know, certain times like now or where you get, you know, a little bit crazier in November, but I think that deer, um, yeah, it was something like the 30th maybe sit, like it, it was something crazy up there. Um, cause those days, you know, times and it, and I wouldn't necessarily, you know, I'm all about learning from failure, but, um, I would probably say there was in the midst of that was like one, one hard fail that really, really kind of uh, knocked me down mentally. But I look at all the other sits and all that stuff. I was in the game and it was a, it was a means to an end. So it was all like uh, everything is, is playing toward, toward your end goal. And even though I sat so many times and I, I didn't have hardly any encounters with him, I knew I was on, I knew I was where I needed to be and I was doing what I needed to do. And it was just a matter of time. Um, this particular area that he was residing in was, was very tough because there was so much standing crop and the timber was so thick and access was very tough. So it was, it was one of those things going into it. It was kind of like, you have to prep yourself. Um, and a lot of people just get discouraged when they don't see deer or they're just kind of, you know, um, seem like they're getting, getting beat down, but you got to stay the course. And, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's interesting how you put that. The, the one thing I want to point out to anybody who hasn't kind of heard about your style of hunting is essentially, you know, not none, if, if, or very few, if any trail cameras at all, um, no big food plots, no mock scrapes, you like to go into the property, essentially like a virgin property. 
you know, you're going into a property that you haven't touched since last year. You like to find the sign, you like to hunt the sign, figure out where those deer are and go get them. Correct. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, with that being said, it's tough because or every, every property that I enter is different. So, you know, there's, there's some properties that, uh, I hunt that are leases, uh, that have multiple other guys hunting them. There's some public stuff I go into. There's, you know, um, whether it's egg country, it's bluff stuff on the river. Like we were just talking about moments ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all different or, you know, Wisconsin, you know, or, or when I get a little deeper and closer to home and it's, it's real swampy. Um, I was running into that, that same kind of scenario up in North Dakota, like, but the idea being you roll with the punches of the ground. Like if I, if, if you invited me out to your place to go hunt and I know that you're, that you put in food plots and you do this and you, I'll take all the information I can get. And I'll obviously I'll, I'll use those things, but I would prefer, I would prefer a piece that was untouched because the, the less it's manipulated, I feel like the easier it is to, in a way to kind of figure out. So, you know, deer, deer inhabit certain areas for a reason. Um, it's just like finding those trails that are always good trails or those, those ridges that are always going to be good bedding ridges. And, and now you can go hinge cut 40 acres of timber and make a big, make a good bedding area. But like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, when you start to get into the manipulation of things, it starts to, in my mind, take the hunt out of it and it starts to make it almost like just a project. Um, and I don't know if that makes sense, but I, and that's my big thing with cameras. Like, so, you know, nothing against anybody who uses cameras, but I really think that cameras are disconnecting us with what we're actually doing. And, and they're, they're taking, they're taking like this, uh, this raw primal activity and you're there. It's just like polluting it with all this technology. And, you know, I mean, I have an internal struggle and internal battle with this because, you know, on one hand, like I want, and in the past, like the most I would use trail cameras for was inventory purposes. And that's really where it comes down to. Uh, and when you're looking for a certain caliber and you want big animals or old animals or it's, it becomes a way harder task to figure that out without the technology, because, you know, you could be hunting for so long and not know of a big deer, or you could be wasting your time in an area that doesn't possess a deer, of the caliber that you want. But also on the other hand, in my mind, like that's what it is. That's the game. And, and when, when you, it's like, I'm trying to think of, it'd be like, uh, man, it's like playing with a handicap. Well, and you know, like, like, let's say, you know, you get a handicap in bowling or something, or you're, or, or you got, or you're playing on a bat, you're playing basketball on a six foot hoop, right? Well, sure. when you, when you go to play on a 10 foot hoop, like it's, it's tough and you ain't, yeah. you know, you're not dunking, you're not dunking that ball anymore. Like you're, you know, like there's, there's a lot, there's a lot that changes. So mm-hmm. now if you're, I don't know. I, I look at it as, um, and you'll learn this about me, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm jumping around. I jump around a lot, but it, it, <laughs> no. uh, it, yeah, it's man. one of those things where, um, I just, I feel it disconnects and, and then there's, you know, there's a trail camera and then there's a, then there's a cell camera too. And that, that's a whole nother world. And yeah, I could talk, talk about that forever, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, I like to, I find the most, rewarding experience and experience where I go in 
um, and just really have to figure out things on my own Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, read the ground as it lays and then, uh, you know, start the process of hunting and, and also the, the, um, the excitement of the unknown is a really cool thing. Yeah. You know, sometimes it is so much more enjoyable, enjoyable to be in the timber when you don't know what could come out of that draw and you're and you're watching it and you're, you're, you're in tune and you're, you're like, okay, you're, you're intrigued. And versus if you have seven cameras on that draw and that's all you're doing is checking those cameras every week, or you got a cell camera and it's literally sending you the picture of the phone and you know exactly what's coming through that draw, or you think you know exactly what's coming through that draw. Like yeah. it really changes the demeanor in how you're hunting, how you're sitting, you know, how you're scouting, like, um, all that. So, so yes, I, yeah. I, uh, I definitely, I agree with all that. I, uh, in my, so I think, you know, there's different, there's different types of hunters. There's different experience levels. Um, and there's different like maturity levels, right? Uh, obviously you, you know, more about whitetail hunting, um, right now than I will probably in the next 15 years, you know, maybe it'll take me 15 years to figure out what, you know, now, um, I think that, that trail cameras expedites a learning curve. So you get to like learn a lot faster. Cell cameras even gives you like real time learning capability. Like, you know, if you're really trying to understand weather and winds on your property, and you're able to, you know, you can currently like it with a regular camera, right? You can track all the weather data, then you go and check it, then you compare it to the weather data and go, okay, it looks like on, you know, cold front days with high pressure and in early October, like I'm going to be successful. Um, you know, and that's, that's kind of obvious an obvious one, but you know, maybe there's some oddball South winds or East winds that bring certain deer into a certain area or something like that, or to a specific bedding area. And you learn that in real time with the cell cameras. And then you also have, like you said, all the, all the property manipulation, um, you know, all the food plots, the mock scrapes, um, the trail creation, the hinge cutting, all that kind of stuff. And I think, I think there's something in that for everybody. And, and at your point, it, it makes, I hope, I hope at some point I make it to where you are now, where essentially like that is what that's what, that's the game I'm after. I'm, I'm successful enough that I'm really interested in not having any information and going in and figuring out and and putting my skills to the test. And I currently do all of it. So I'm going to be putting in food plots this year. Um, I have some cell cameras. I have some regular cameras. Um, I'll probably do some hinge cutting, but I also hunt virgin public ground all the time that I don't have any cameras on. I was out there this morning. It's, I think there's something different for it in every scenario and it's what you're after. And, and yeah, I mean, I was very yeah, you, excited to sit that public this morning because you just never know there's rubs all over. You, there's a huge scrape. It's fun. Yeah. You said, you, you said it, you hit it right on the head right there. Like it's, it's different for everybody and it's all about, it's just, you know, everybody's got their own, their own idea or their own thing that they want to take out of, uh, you know, out of their passion, whether that be a, you know, you know, some guys like playing basketball just to play basketball. Some guys are, are real competitive at it. Some guys, you know, there's just, yeah, to each their own mm-hmm. by all means. And and there are, there are plenty of different, there's so many different types of scenarios. You know, if you're a guy with a small property that is looking, that 
it literally is not holding deer. You know, and the, the, the simple addition of a small food plot and a little bit of hinge cutting will, you know, create that habitat for a deer to want to live there and stay there and then, you know, give you that, that edge to hunt and, you, you know, on your little piece in your backyard, like, oh, by all means, like that's a whole different, that's a whole different ball game, you know, um, right. you know, and, and, and vice versa. Like if you're, you know, all, you know, nowadays guys are so crazy with food or if you're trying to, um, you know, if you're hunting a place that has absolutely no food, absolutely, or maybe you got all the food, but you have no bedding and they're right. and they're they're betting all on the, on the neighboring ridges and you just can't access them. And, and you just, well, instead of beating your, beating your head against the wall and just waiting for November or whatever, or just hunting food, you know, then you can do things to, you know, manipulate that property and make it better. And, and, uh, yeah, so there's, and, you know, when I, and when I talk about what I like to do, um, this is usually on bigger ground and I'm, I'm a real, I'm more of like, if it's not there, move on type of guy. Um, and, and I've, I've become, I used to have a different mentality. I used to like, like try and do things to, to hope for a better season or, or anticipate or or be able to predict a better season or, you know, letting deer walk or, or planning more or like planning more, uh, late season food in hopes that it'll pull deer. I'm, I'm just so over that because, um, (laughs) I, I, it, it's just, to me, it's a letdown and it's a lot of, you know, um, I would rather put that energy in that work. Like, um, I, you may, you think, you may think it's crazy, but like out of the whitetail season, I don't even want to think about whitetail. I mean, everybody's like 365 whitetail. I am so hard in whitetail that I like, don't, if I start getting all riled up, like in the summertime, like it'll just, it'll just kill me. So I, I just put it <laughs> off and I, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm the type of guy that like, you know, I can't get into it until I can actually get into it and go yeah. hunt. So like, I'll, you know, for sure. I will look at little pieces, you know, I'll always have, and I'll always, the, the important thing with that though, is you need to have, and you need to make yourself, um, available to go to new places and you right. can't like like if you if you're somebody who's putting all their eggs in one basket of a, of a property or you physically can't don't have the time or, or the the you know the means to get somewhere else or and like you're banking on one thing yeah then that's a totally different story or like yeah like if, if you said if you are somebody who like is so new and has absolutely no idea what's going on then yeah you know a little bit of surveillance of the property could you know, via trail cameras and stuff could definitely help you out. But, um, yeah, it's all about what you're trying to get out of what you're doing. Yeah, for, for sure. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the, that's one of the most fun things for a lot of people about out of state hunts is like, they're going to a new piece, usually public that they've never been to before, or maybe they scouted once they have no cameras and they have no expectations. So the first, you know, 120, 130 inch buck that walks by, it's getting an arrow right? Cause there are no expectations. And that's, I find that fun. Whereas like a home property that we own, like, I'm like, all right, well, these are the five bucks that are on the property that I've got pictures of that I want to kill. If anything else comes through, it's debatable. It's a different mindset. Right. And it's just, it's what you're after in that specific time frame. Yeah. And, and that's where it comes. I used to, I, I think 
I think everybody goes through, or not everybody, but like, you you know, you can go through phases and, and things can change. And, and nowadays I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm just about to hunt, man. I don't, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want anything else. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I obviously want, if I told myself that like, I really wanted to get after the inch game and really start to, you know, I know the, what a lot of people don't realize is the biggest piece of the puzzle is put, is just, is locating those deer as far as property state. Like, cause when you start to, to kill the caliber or like them, them very high end caliber deer, like they, they are not around every corner. <laughs> no, and I don't, I don't care what state you live in. I don't care how good your property is. You could be hunting Lee and Tiffany's property. And there ain't 200 inch bucks on that property every year. It's just, it's just not, uh, you know, or there's not net boning crockets everywhere. Even if you got, let's say you got 5,000 acres, you can't like, that don't mean that you're going to have a net boning crockett on that 5,000 acres every year. So it, right. it, you know, they can be close, they can be gross and they can have, you know, you can have, but that's where it all, it gets very, it gets very complicated when you start to think about that. Cause it's all about what you're really looking for. So right like when you're when you're looking for the caliber of deer you got a bar um then you have to start ex- expanding out and be willing to to just kind of do your homework in other areas and yeah and man i just want to hunt you know um mm-hmm. and that's where i try and keep it i try and keep it open slated i try i know some guys who do some crazy stuff with with, with, with trail cameras and all that and i've actually you know, gotten trail cameras to some, some, some people that I know and some guys that really intrigue me as of late that really get hard into the detail and the, like they're doing like, kind of like you described, I mean, they're, they're going way deep with this and they're using them and they're, they're, you know, checking wind direction on these days and, you know, sunrise times and, you know, crossing it with what the moon was doing and, and all. And I mean, that's, that's a thing in itself, you know, but it just seems, it seems crazy to me. <laughs> I mean, it just, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, it, it's a, that's a lot. That's a lot to take in. And, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I still don't know if there's really any relevance to that because over the course of the years, I've seen deer do so many different things and in so many different ways. And, I re and, and, and those are the big questions is everybody's like, okay, well, how is a, how is a big buck do this? Or how does a big buck do that? Or, or how do you do this on a big, and this, this shit changes so much. Like <laughs> every, every deer is different. Like, you know, I, I firmly believe that, you know, if, if this 170 inch buck is hitting a scrape line on a Northeast wind on the South side of your property and, you know, and, and he's doing that one year, like I, I, personally do not think that that means the next 180 that's on your property in two years will be hitting that scrape line on that wind on that side like i I don't think so um there's guys who argue argue different um and you can say like well the the bucks like to hit that because this and but like what what good does that do you what what you really need to know and what you really need to get a handle on is is having the thing, your finger on the pulse of your property and knowing that, okay, I know that bucks typically scrape this, this, this ridge line, right? Well, yeah. only thing that's going to help you kill bucks 
is you need to know when you need to get there and when it gets hot, you know, versus not, I don't think, you know, the, the answer is to like, look at the wind and, and wait till, because that's great. That freaking line could be getting hit on every single wind, you know? Right. And, and I think, I think you can, you can find a correlation with any scenario if you look hard enough for it in trail camera pictures. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I really, you know, it's one of those things where like the conspiracy yeah. can get as deep as you let it. Oh um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I certainly agree. I mean, you can, you can make it, you can make there yeah, be a pattern, yeah. right? Oh yeah, for sure. Right. For sure. But at the end of the day, you look at it and you're like, all right, well, this whole pattern over the last five years boils down to October 22nd to the 26th. Okay. Yep, like yep. regardless of the wind, yeah. I need to be there on those four days. Yeah. 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 I mean, and, and that's, yeah, that's a, that's an assumption too, from just, yeah, from just years of data and just, if it, if it lights up on that week, you know, well then you're just, you're playing an odds game, you know, right. but yeah, it, it's just, it, it's crazy. Like I said, you can, you can go, <laughs> you can go deep. As deep as you want. Yeah. So, okay. Switching gears a little bit, Cody. Um, you know, you sat, you sat for this buck, I, this last buck, and I'm sure you've sat, um, you know, on all your other bucks, uh, a lot. Are you sitting the same spot often or all the time, or are you going to try, are you pretty much doing a different spot every time you sit? Uh, yeah, usually it's a different spot. Um, okay. I will sit, I will, I'm not. I'm not completely against, um, sitting the same spot if I feel confident in that spot. And if I know that that's the spot, you know, right. and, and, the, and the wind is right and everything, you know, works out. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm actually thinking in my mind right now. And out of all those sits, um, I do think a couple of them just ended up being in the same tree you know, maybe, maybe twice or maybe, maybe three okay. times. Um, just because I remember in a particular, in a particular point in time when I was chasing them, that, that deer was using multiple bedding, bedding areas. And, and I had found the perfect tree for any northerly wind to, to have a crack at him coming into that, that bedding area. So like when I decided to go hunt that spot that I had just found, you know, just that week prior, I went to that same tree. And I think I hunted that spot three times and I just, he never, he never came in there when I was hunting, uh, that tree, but I wasn't going to go pick a different tree just because I had already hunted that tree. Right. It was cause it was, it was the tree that I needed to be in. Um, but at the same time, you know, um, I do like to like to keep it fresh and, and, and get in new spots. So more, more so than, um, then the same spot. It's a new spot. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, multiple, uh, uh, if you're, if, and, and you like to, I mean, especially on this last buck high and tight, you were targeting this specific buck. Um, and you also like that, that early October to mid late October timeframe, because I, as I understand it, I think this was from one of your pre previous podcasts. They're just a little bit more like patternable and it's not the rut where they can be anywhere. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I usually, I typically don't have a whole lot of success, um, in November. I, well, I actually, you know, did shoot a buck, uh, this November, um, which, which we can touch on too, but, and that's a whole different, 
I just adapt to completely different philosophy come November because because everything changes and even late October can get totally different and it's it's um when the testosterone starts flowing and and breeding becomes a thing and and territory becomes a thing and dominance and all that stuff like it it changes everything um and you can be a moon guy you can be a you know um a food guy uh all these different things they're all going to be affected as the year goes on by by the breeding pattern or the breeding cycle or whatever you would, you know, you want to define that as. So, so I find that early and late, um, like we talked about this before, you know, those are your, those are your times where a whitetail is just being a whitetail. Um, and they're not thinking about breeding and that's not affecting their, I mean, sometimes they, sometimes it, it does cross over and you get, you know, fawns that come in late or early or, or, you know, and that stuff and, and testosterone production. But, but usually it's at those point in times that, that, you know, there is nothing to chance. I'm not a chance guy. Like I'm a real routine. Like I like things like, I like things to make sense. I, I, you know, (laughs) it's like trying to solve a puzzle and there's, you know, you're missing 20 pieces. It's like, you know, and and you know, you're missing 20 pieces and you're like, what the fuck am I even doing this puzzle for? You know, so (laughs) like, like early season and late season, you got all your pieces come November. Like you just need to sit tight. And I'm not a sitter. I'm I'm not like that guy. Like I'm not patient. I can't even, you know, this piece I was hunting on the river that we just kind of briefly talked about. Yeah. I know, I know in my bones, like, I know this to be true. I found a spot on a ridge and I told myself like, man, dude, if you could just sit here for a week straight, you'd, you'd shoot a slammer, but I, I could never do it. I, I could, I don't know what I could never get myself to do it. Like I just can't, it would drive me nuts in the head and I would just right. be sitting up there and I, I, and, and, and I, and that's the same, it's the same thing goes for just me all year. Like it's very hard for me to sit still or, or not, not move. And, and, um, but yes, so, so the, the, the chaos of this time of year, it frustrates me. Um, just because I can't figure it out because there's nothing to figure out. Just getting, you know, it, I, th- I think it comes down to just getting in highly traveled areas, you know, areas that are holding those, um, you know, yeah. and, uh, and pray so, for a good hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I am, I am very similar. I've had a few friends, you know, close friends that look at me and go, why, why, why are you sitting 19 different spots? Why are, why are you moving so much? This, this trail on your farm and this trail on your farm, all you have to do is just sit those every day and eventually you're going to kill one. And I just like, I understand that, but I have massive ADD and I'm not going to do that. <laughs> just like, yeah, it, that that's tough. That's tough to do. Right. So <laughs> In that, in that one of the, so one of the questions that, that always comes across my mind is like, you know, chasing, trying to chase this buck down or chasing specific deer down. Um, you know, you sit a spot and you don't see them, but you're like, man, this was the spot. How do you, how do you think about it in your own mind where like you were pretty certain that was the spot, but he didn't come by or are you just going, well, he wasn't in the bedding area at this, this time I'll move on to the next one. I'm pretty, I'm still confident in this spot. He just wasn't here today. Or are you thinking in your head, well, maybe I'm in the wrong spot. Maybe this isn't where he's coming to. 
you know, how does that play out? In your uh, I usually now, like I, but, uh, years ago, I used to kind of start to get in my own head. Like, um, you know, maybe you called this wrong, uh, and not to sound weird, but like, I, I don't get that too much anymore. Like it just over the years, like I've, I've, I've learned to just kind of trust what I, you know, or what I know or what I find. And, and, and I won't go sit a spot if I don't know within my, like, you know, with, with everything that, that I'm in the game there. Uh, now there's, you know, there's, and there's other, there's other sits that are maybe just like a means to an end type sit, but there's a, there's a reason for it. And it's, it's a, it's, it, it's all, it's all predetermined. Like there's never any at random shit going on. Like in, in people kind of find that hard to believe, but I, I like to look at the, I, I look at the entire picture. Everything is always going. It's always playing back in my head, everything. So, you know, that sit, you know, maybe that didn't work out, but then, you know, um, and you're thinking, I don't think it was the wrong spot. I think it was the right spot, but you know, if the question is, well, why don't you just keep sitting that right spot? Well, everything changes, you know, the wind changes every day, every day it gets closer to a, a new time of year. You know, um, if the temperature changes, it's different. If there's so many different factors, like all those things, and then every little piece of information that you get from each hunt, you know, you might, you might catch a, catch a glimpse of a track walking in that day. And right there, boom, that's a, that, that is a, that, that's something. That's something that goes in your head. That's all also that's now in the mix. It's not always the same thing. And it's not always just a couple things. It's everything. So, so I, I, I try and weigh the balance of every single thing. Um, so, you know, when you get to 20, 30 days, you know, let's say it's 60 days in into a hunt for a good buck or a specific buck, like now you're not, you know how many things you're thinking about on day three versus day 60. <laughs> there's so so much things going on there and and it's just so i think it's just for me it's constantly weighing those and then i make i constantly make new decisions but the best decisions with you know the most current information that i have right okay yeah and that Which would might be, be a, a weird way to look at it but i you know no, that, <laughs> that makes sense do you think you know how like especially with this property you were you were trying to chase this buck down and you had a lot of sits where you didn't see him. Um, but I know you had a couple where you knew he was like there just out of range or you just barely didn't see him or he was walking through some brush or something like that. Um, how impactful do you, do you think it is when like you hunt a certain area, whether it's, you know, 40 acres or 80 acres and you hunt it, you know, often you, I mean, you're hunting it from October 1st to, yeah, the 24th or 25th and you're in there like every other day. Yeah. Tell me about that. So that, yeah, that can be, that can be how oh, it can be. It can be so different in so many different ways. Like, like it, you can very easily, there's some people that'll say like, you can't bump a deer. There's some people that say you can, you can bump them as many times as you want. Like th there's a, there's definitely so many different, different, uh, variables to that. So uh, small properties that you're, that you're applying heavy pressure to, um, what would you consider you can, small? Uh, well, like you, you mentioned 40 acres. So okay, sure. I'm thinking, um, um, I'm thinking something like that. Like if it's 40 yeah. to 50 acres or, or, you know, I mean, 
this could be anything. I mean, it, it, it all depends on the layout too of the property. If there's a lot of timber, if there's, you know, a little timber, if it's all open, you know, uh, you know, five acres could, you know, 300 yeah. could be, could be a small, like, let's say you got 300 acres, but it's all field and you got a little woodlot. Like, but anyway, so yeah. uh, applying a lot of consistent pressure is not good in, in any way, shape or form, but that's why you got to hunt smart. And that's one thing that I always kind of preach is like throughout the years, people hear, you know, aggressive tactics, oh, aggressive. You gotta, you know, be this and, and people say aggressive a lot, but I think there's way to ways to be aggressive without being detrimental. Like you can't, if you, if you got, if you got 40 acres with one little key bedding area, you can't go in there every day and bump, bump that buck out. You can't do it. I mean, you, you can, you can do it once, you know, maybe twice, you know, you can, you can do it. And every deer is different. They're going to, they're going to tolerate that in a different way, but like that deer will leave. I mean, you know, like I said, depending and not every deer is going to leave and not come back. But so, so I think half the people have it, have it one way and they think that you can't put any pressure on a deer. And then the other half, you know, think that like, oh, I got to be so aggressive. I got to be so aggressive. I got to be, and and that's the wrong thing too. So I think it, it, it depends. You have to do it smart. You have to mind your, your access push that deer as little as you possibly can. I always try the, the, the most or least evasive procedures first. You know, I'm not going to go, if I have an idea of where a buck's bedded, and this is where people also, they, they kind of get the wrong idea about me too. Like, just cause I have the idea where a buck's bedded, or I, I may be fucking certain. It does not mean I'm going to just tromp in there on day one and go just for the fact of wanting to kill him, you know, where he's bedded. It's just be, that's become such a, a big, you know, thing to where, oh, bet. you got a bed hunt. You got a bed hunt. Oh, it's all about bed hunting. Like, it, no, it, it doesn't, in my mind, it's not about, like, that's the piece of the puzzle that you need, but like, you don't need to, there's so many other things you can do with that piece of information versus just barge in there and go fucking kick that deer up, you, you know? And yeah. if you are going <laughs> to do that, if you are going to do that, you better be on your damn game because the, that's when you got to capitalize. And I, I used to mess up like this for years is I, I'd, I'd find that piece of information and I'd get to the point where I need to go hunt him in his bed, but I'd screw it up, you know, and I would set up wrong in there. Or I would, I would, you know, um, badger him too much. And I, you know, and there's been a bunch of deer that I haven't killed like that. And I've killed, a have killed a lot of deer right in and or around their bed. Um, but it's not something I'm always minding now, if I know, let's say I'm hunting a thousand acres and I know that that deer's, you know, he might relocate, but I can still get him where he relocates. Then I might be a little bit more, more prone yeah. to put some uh, pressure on it, you know, but yeah. that's where that stuff, it really, it really did, you know, uh, determines the layout. Um, if you know which way he's going to, if you know where he's feeding and you know, if you can, if you can ambush him in different locations versus the bed, uh, in the, in the, in the circumstances in which I was, uh, I knew that deer was close. I was bulletproof and I knew he did not know I was there. It was just, and it was so thick and there were so many places with the size of this property and with the corn that this deer felt safe. I knew I wasn't going to push him out of there. Um, it wasn't until he actually, I had the super close encounter with him and he busted me that I, that I started getting a little worried because I knew he got my scent. And when they get your scent, it's usually game over. Um, Bro, so and he got your you scent wanna... while you were in the tree. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
Gotcha. Yeah. And that's, I feel like, and the reason I wanted to make that distinction is because I feel like it's, it's entirely possible. He crossed your scent from walking in and walking out. Oh, he crossed my set a bunch of times. Yeah. 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 He had to. Okay. Yeah. And I think that's an important distinction for, for a lot of people because, um, you know, people think that, that I know a few of my friends, close friends also say like every time they cross your foot traffic scent, like that's, that's more pressure and they can, they can bust based on that. And the answer is yes, they can. The odds are probably not if they're crossing your track 12 hours later and they're like, oh, there was a hunter here, but it's 2 a.m. I don't really care. You know, I feel like there's a major difference in that versus pulling a nostril full of Cody D'Aquisto right out of the stand. Yeah. And there's, and there's, yeah, there's, I have, my philosophy on this is pretty, it's pretty deep and there's a lot of different there's a lot of different things uh, that go into this and, you know, getting wind, getting busted or getting winded from a stand is one thing. Getting winded on the ground is one thing. Uh, ground scent and deer smelling that is one thing. Um, sight and scent is a whole different ballgame. Um, you know, it, there's, there's so many different things and there's so many different ways of getting busted. And I mean, you know, there's, guys are i mean people don't realize it you're getting busted all the fucking time you just don't know <laughs> it like it, it, it's literally happening all the time but that's that's the worst it, one is when you don't know little, that they picked you up yeah and it's different it's different at different you know distances and and like i said uh you know scent without sight is a whole different story but when a buck the thing that the thing and where your buddies are talking about i think is, and that's where people confuse this is if a buck smells your ground scent is one thing, but if that particular buck associates your scent with danger, that's, that's the, that, that's the difference right there. So if that buck determines in his mind that your scent is danger, cause they do this, they make distinctions, um, whether for, they smell shit all the time. They got phenomenal noses and they're, they're always making distinctions on what they're smelling. If it gets to a point to where that deer, like, let's say, you know, you, you scared the living shit out of that deer on the ground. Like, I mean, I'm talking, you snuck up behind him. He got your scent and then you popped out with a, you know, um, goddamn Freddy Krueger mask and scared the shit out of him. I'm, <laughs> I'm just, you, you know, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and he, he ran off so fast and he was so scared and he hit a tree and he was disorientated the next time that buck smells that ground scent, he will, he will be fucking gone so quick and he will bug out like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Now, if, if that buck smelt you and, you know, just got out on his own accord and was just like, oh, I smelled something weird. Like, you know, he's not going to have that same reaction to that ground scent. You know, I, I think all, all these things play a role It all. It all depends on how they make that distinction. They will smell, they'll cross your ground scent will they tolerate that? You know, all bucks are different and I think they will, as long as they don't have any other, any other thing to compile with that. Um, and, uh, I mean, some deer, you know, I've, I've seen deer like that I've never seen before hit my ground scent and run like, like, you know, like coyotes do like when they hit ground scent, like, you know, I mean, and that shit can be wild, you know, but that's, you know, that's a different temperament of a deer and, you know, probably a whole different situation, but 
that's where yeah. you got to play it. You know, you got to play it as it comes. Yeah, I will. I have certainly like I've had, man, a couple years ago, um, I got up in a tree and then I needed to trim a couple lanes, got down, trim the lanes. And within, you know, 20 minutes, I had a had a young buck come in, take a take a whiff of my ground scent. And, you know, they, he got a little he got a little uh, nervous, right? Kind of looked up, looked around, kind of got tight didn't take off, but he certainly was like, yep, that there's yep. someone here. And then maybe like 30 minutes later, a much more mature buck, uh, like a three and a half year old came through exact same spot, kind of smelt me, smelt where I stepped, looked around and just kept going, didn't get nervous at all. And that's a more mature deer. And this year I had a really nice three and a half year old as well, come through an hour after I had trimmed some more lanes and he did not care at all. Um, and I've had, I've had other deer that just smell my tracks and burn rubber, right? It's just yeah. like, Nope, yeah. not interested. I'm out. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I see on the social medias, at least on, on my platforms is that people tend to like, think that rules are absolute for all deer. Like, yeah. You know, and then that's such a misconception. And the answer is no, it's not. There's very, very few absolute rules in the deer woods. Like you, you even, I know you're a big wind guy. Like you got to get your wind right. And me too. I'm not a, I'm not a scent control guy. I'm not an ozonics guy. I'm not, I'm not looking at any of that stuff, but you know, at the same time, both of us, I'm sure have experienced deer dead downwind of us and they don't care for whatever reason. Yeah. And there's, there's, um, yeah, you said right at the beginning, you kind of, you kind of hit on the head and, and everybody, it comes down everybody wants the, you know, the, the magic go-to answer or like the, you know, the one thing or the, you know, the sure, sure fact or, and there just isn't that there isn't, those things don't exist. Um, deer are different. It'd be like saying all people do this. Right. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh no. All, well, all mature people do this. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? How can you even say that? Like they're, well, you know, right. oh, well they're mature. Yeah. They're mature. So they're different. Oh yeah. Well, no, all mountain people do this. No, all, all egg, all people who live in egg country do this. Like, it's like, what are you even talking about? Like, <laughs> and people talk about deer like that and they put these, that's another thing that people put deer on pedestals based on where they are. Yeah. Oh, well, oh yeah. Like, oh, you can't do that with mountain bucks or you can't do that with city bucks or you can't do that with, with, with egg bucks or you can't do that with swamp bucks. And it's like, dude, God, are you kidding me? Like, just like, what are you even talking about? Like, like, right. like it just doesn't make any sense. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, no, and that's your, uh, I remember uh previous podcast, like, you know, you're typically two sticks high. Like usually yeah. that's where you're at. Right. And people constantly tell you, Nope, gotta be 30 feet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's it. It's one of those things where, and that was just something that was beating everybody's head. I think for a while, like this, 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 this whole 20 foot anage, like it was always 20 feet, 20 feet. And I always wondered, I'm like, why is it 20 feet? Like I, I'm, am I, I'm like, am I the only one that's asking myself this question? Cause I was in, in tree stand sales and I was in, and I'm like, everybody, why does everybody want to be at 20 feet? Where did this come from? when did this happen? Like, you know, and then I started, that was, this was years and years ago. I started experimenting with, 
you know, on, and, and, you know, uh, ground and, and low sets and, and, you know, and I'm like, this, this is bullshit. This is complete bullshit. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's one of those things where, um, now I, I do, I do believe though, going, you know, rewinding a little bit, this scent is your most important thing. Um, I do think there's, it's so hard to say because, you know, in those situations where like you got a buck downwind or a deer downwind or, and you know, they didn't bug out or, um, you know, you know, th- who knows what, what would happen there? You know, I mean, you know, sometimes you think a deer's down or you think your wind is doing something else and thermals are do- pulling it a completely different way or like the wind stops or your scent hits the ground or, it, you know, gets lifted. And, and then, you know, and I think temperament, you know, uh, has a big thing to do with that too. You know, uh, I think all these deer react on their previous experiences and, and you see how deer get conditioned to things. So like, why wouldn't they react? just like a human in the way they were conditioned or just like dogs, you know, if you beat a dog with a broom and then every time you sweep your, you know, your, your floor in the living room and you wonder why your dog runs and hides, like, right. you know, th- that, that's not, that's not a coincidence at all. Like that, that, that dog has a thing with brooms because like, like, you know, why wouldn't he, you know, he's, he's, right. he's scared to shit skitless from brooms. So I think the same thing happens in scent you see like, you know, some of these, these bigger farms and these, these guys and, and, you know, or these ranches, right. You know, and these deer, yeah these deer eat out of feeders. Well, yep. if you took a feeder and you went and put it on somebody's property and when there was never a feeder there ever, I don't, th- deer probably wouldn't even come eat out, eat out of it. But if you left when you, you leave that feeder there for three, four years and all of a sudden now you got you got two, three generations of deer that have, have grown up and seen nothing but that feeder. They're going to come to that feeder. Like it's, like it's, you know, like it's normal. Cause it is normal. You know, right. it's, it all this, all these things play a different role. It's just like the, the adage of like, Oh, like, well, bucks way out there are harder to kill or, or, or pressured bucks are harder to kill or, 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 you know, well, you know, I ask you to start defining pressure and just start defining way out there because, you know, there's, I mean, if a buck is getting pressured, you know, and he's getting, I mean, there, there's, there's bucks that get fed from people in parks, like, like, like just in state parks. Right. And, um, right. and then there's also, you know, there's bucks that, man, there's bucks that never see people like, you know, and, and, you know, well, what or they, they might've never smelled a person ever. And they all of a sudden smell, you know, it'd be, it'd be a shock to their nose, but like, do they really have anything? what is in their, what's in their, their, um, their system to, to be alerted from that. Right. Had they never, had they never experienced any negative, you know, I don't know. It's just like, you see like some of them, them wild animals, like, you know, you see these guys up in Alaska and shit and these, these, you know, these wolves and shit, they're more interested in what's going on. They're like, what, what is that? Like, you know, it's, it's, I think think everyone can see that in fawns. Right. The first time, if you're, if you're hunting and you got a fawn come in, like half the time they're going to sit there and try to figure out what you are and give you a broadside shot all the time. And that's like, cause they don't know any better. They don't know yet. Yeah. They, well, they haven't learned. They haven't went through right. the, and that's where, and that's where, you know, people say too, they're like, Oh, we well, have yeah, these old bucks. They're, they're so much harder to kill because they've, they've been alive for so much longer. Like, yes, that's true in a, in a, in a fact, but it all depends on that deer's life. 
that's what it depends on. It doesn't, it, it's got nothing to do with its age. I've hunted two and a half, three and a half year old deer that were more cagey than eight and a half year old deer that I've hunted just because, you know, it, it's probably what they've been through. You know, I mean, there's, uh-huh. if you shit by me or I was hunting, uh, down in Southern Iowa on the border of Missouri, you couldn't stop your car. If a deer was out in the field, as soon as that truck stopped, them deer were gone. But if that truck was, if it, if it was, if it was rolling, they wouldn't, they wouldn't give two shits. They wouldn't even lift their head. And as soon as you stopped, they were gone. And it's because they're freaking shot out of stopped cars all the time. Like it's right. happening that much that these deer know that, Oh, Oh shit. It stopped. Let's get out of here. You know, like, like, so <laughs> but if how, it's moving, we're good. Yeah. 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 Like, Oh no, no, this is good. Yeah. He's just, they're just passing by. And then as soon as that, I'm, man, it's crazy. I've tested it. And, you know, and it's just set like, their game up, man. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know, shoot them on the roll, you know, <laughs> right. but it, it, it's, um, so yeah, man, it's just, it's, I think, I think it's crazy because I think the entire thing, the whitetail hunting, everything, it's so overcomplicated when at, when at its base root, it is so very simple. Um, and it's so just it's such a simple primal thing of, 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 of hunting that I think people try and overcomplicate it and they try and dive too deep into it. And, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, you know, um, knowing that like you need protein to put on like muscle mass and then actually know, and then actually wanting to know, well, why is it that the protein you know, why, well, what is, what is it doing to my cells and how is it absorbed by the body? And what does it do in my, in my intestines? And then like, well, does it really matter if you know, like, you know, I don't know, like, right. why overcomplicate, no. man, you just, just take some protein, man. Like you need, you know, and I think, I think people <laughs> get, protein, and they get, get lost. Huge, bro. Well, well, they, they get, they get lost in it, you know? And, yeah. and, and there's a, and there's a sense to, there's a whole different thing about like wanting to know and wanting to learn. And, and, you know, I, I got, um, you know, talk to, you know, kind of like wildlife biologist type people and they're just, you know, that's the type of stuff intrigues them. But when it comes down to the hunt aspect of it, I think it's a little different. Um, and I've always had success of not overcomplicating it. Um, oddly enough, because I'm a person who overthinks everything. So figure <laughs> that out. You know, it's, it's, yeah. No, I mean, I, I feel like yeah, a lot of, a lot of the more experienced hunters tell me, like on the podcast, they say like, well, it's not, we, you, you go through these phases of learning deer and you go from knowing nothing and only sitting picked cornfields to figuring out, you know, bedding areas and travel routes. And then you dive into scrapes and rut activity and pinch points. And then you start diving into the real nitty gritty stuff. And then a lot of these people will pull back out and go, ah, it's just simple. Like, you know, you need to find their bed. You need to find their food in the early season and during the rut kind of sit wherever. And then afterwards find where they want to eat in the winter. Like it's not super difficult, you know, and they'd start to simplify things. Yeah. I think people, uh, I think people naturally want to complicate stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yo, for sure. For sure. I agree. I mean, the more complicated they can make it. I, f- I feel like that's just a natural psychological thing in terms of people wanting to know more and seem like they know more and have an explanation for something that they didn't previously have an explanation for. Right. I just, I want to put a reason to this. Like why did something this happen? So, yeah, I mean, that, that could um, definitely be a thing too. 
Yeah. All right. Um, so rolling into rolling into late season. Um, what, what, so before we wrap up the podcast, we got like uh, maybe 10 minutes left. Um, what, um, what are you doing late season or what some strategies or tips you'd recommend for people rolling into December kind of post gun season, a lot of places and what are you going to be doing? Um, yeah. So I think at that time of year, um, you gotta, as the dust settles, you just kind of, kind of fig got to kind of figure out, um, you know, what the deer are doing again. Um, if bucks have made it back to their, you know, their core areas or, you know, if everything's, you know, now all the, the commotion is, is kind of settling back down. I think a lot of that, you know, with me will, will bigly or kind of, um, determine or be determined by like, you know, weather too. Uh, sure. sometimes like when I start hunting late, like it can be nasty and other times it's like, you know, bluebird, like it's almost kind of super nice. And, you know, the colder it gets, the more deer, uh, the more these deer get dependent on food. Um, but finding a good food source late after, after this whole, um, the running of deer and all that is always a, always a great thing to start on. And, and depending on where you're at, that can be, that can be so many different things. Um, um, but yeah, finding deer, just locating deer, um, for the most part is, is what you need to do. And then from there you can dive in and see, you know, what made it, as a thing you might be hunting different deer um so sure yeah that's that's true and by locating them just essentially you're saying boots on the ground go look go find yeah them. yeah i mean and in, in this yeah this all depends too like you know where you're hunting what piece you're hunting. if you're going to a new spot yeah. if, you, if you know if you know it you know if you're hunting food plots if you're not if you know if you're in egg country like you know these deer are going to be they're going to be eating somewhere and they have a pattern and if you knew, if you were hunting them there before the rut, you can go pretty close to probably what you were doing, you know, prior. Um, obviously, they're not going to be eating anything they were eating that early in the season. But um, as it gets cold, you know, any any sort of standing crop, any sort of picked over fields are, are good things. Um, there's, uh, I know one one really good food source uh, to key in on uh, late season um, that I've had a lot of luck on in the past is locusts. So, um, mm. you know, locust pods become very, very intriguing to, to deer, um, as it gets colder. Um, and depending on, you know, especially when there's like snow, it seems like the, um, when you get that, that snow, they really like to like to hammer on stuff like that. But, um, there was one year in particular where it was late season, um, and, it was harshly cold, like very, very cold and deer. And there was a lot of snow and the deer were held up in the timber. Um, uh, and they were just eating on browse and they weren't moving much and the snow was deep and, and it was very hard to get at them. And then all of a sudden a warm front came and a couple of days of warm weather, you know, melted quite a bit of snow and it actually out in the open fields, it like these, these patches, um, you know, started to kind of surface way out in the open. Uh, and, and in one day, you know, deer went from being held up in the timber to being a mile out eating in these alfalfa strips that were, that were just high sunspots throughout the day that, that now there was no snow in. And I actually ended up killing a buck, um, probably 
a half mile away from away from where he was actually eating in a hay strip way out and then probably a half mile from the timber he was coming from so that was just a matter mm-hmm. of like you got to stay you got to stay on it and things change constantly you know yeah. and um and and that was just a prime example of how how quick it can change how they you know a new food source becomes available and mm-hmm. and they're there um yeah yeah so then okay and that that draws a personal question for me so i did see one of my one of my top five bucks on the property using a specific trail to come in from an egg field is probably i don't know 100 120 yards off the egg field but he was going up over a ridge and i'm assuming to bet on the other side of that ridge um so you think like some it's very possible um that assuming he doesn't die during gun season um, late season rolls around. There is radishes planted out in that field as well. So probably a great food source that the farmer said he's going to leave in. Um, so he would, it's, it's entirely possible that buck would start using that same trail again to enter and exit that field. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I would say definitely just because, you know, I mean, he's, he's comfortable with it, especially if you, if you know, he was using it before. Yeah. And there's, there's food in that same place. Um, yeah, I would, I would be willing to bet that he'd, he'd be using it. Okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't be. Um, uh, but, but yeah, that's, that's a, you know, a good thing to key on to, you know, usually the food, the food, you know, when the food changes, it changes the area or change the pattern. But if you got those multiple, and that's why a lot of guys like to like to plant three things in one area. So they keep that, that area hot zone throughout the year you know like winter wheat and clover and radishes and you know shit like that yeah hey one one question we're gonna hop off here soon and we got to talk about the 0.5 giveaway um but one other question is how do you know when how do you know like when you're scouting a new area and you're pushing in to try to find you know you want to get tight to that bed or you want to get tight to a specific you know patch of of woods or something like that do you just roll on instincts and in knowing like when you're too tight to that? How do you know when you've pushed too far and you're like, ah, oh, crap. Like, I mean, besides blowing them out. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't think you can push too far just because, especially if it's not now, if it's, re- if it's a repeated instance, you know, then you can, then I think you can push too far. Okay. But when you're talking about initially looking at something, and now this, you know, this also like now, let's say you got six guys in your group and you know, every six guy for the past six days has looked at this spot and now you're going in there like, yeah, that might be pushing too far, Sure. but you know, that that's a whole different story. But if it's just you and you're looking at a new piece of property and you have no knowledge, right? How, how can, you know, you're trying to learn and gather information. How can you push too far? Because the only way that you would even think you pushed too far would be to find out a key piece of information that made you thought it. So, so therefore that was necessary. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's a great, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, nope, that, that's that, a great that, way to think about it. <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. Um, yeah. which, and now, now from that point on, then how you use that information and then every time there forward is a different story. Right. But the initial the initial time is, is that's where, 
I think, and I think that's a, that's an awesome question because that's, I think that's a big hang up of people. Yeah. Um, I know like when I'm looking at a new piece or even a, uh, the same piece that I've been in and I'm going to a new area in that piece, and maybe it's a thicker area that I've kind of stayed out of early season. And now I'm looking at it, all the vegetation's down. I'm like, oh, it's not as thick as I thought it was. Maybe I can yep. squirt in there and get up one of these trees. Um, and and one of those hangups is like, you know, you sit on the outside of that and you're like, man, am I, am I, am I out of the game by sitting out here? You know, how do I, how do I know if I'm out of the game? So then you push in and you push in and maybe you bump these deer. But I like the way you think about that. And essentially, you don't know if you're out of the game or not until you push in. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yep. yep. Otherwise, yeah, you're always yeah, going to feel like you're on the outside. Yep. No, that's fair. All right. Well, OK, so we'll pop off. That'll be the end of, of the, the podcast here. Um, and now I'll, I'll cover this in the intro and I got to re record the intro. But. Cody and I have been talking and in honor of, of him dropping that 200 inch, uh, high and tight, which is a giant typical, is he a six by six with that flyer or what is he? Well, he's actually, I think he's, uh, let me see. <laughs> I think he's 16 scoreable points, but he's a typical mainframe 11. Uh, so he's a six by five and then okay. he's got two kickers and three. Um, but yeah. Oh yeah. Just. I mean, it's an awesome buck. If you haven't seen it, go check it out on the socials. Um, but uh, in honor of that, we are going to give away a Lone Wolf Custom Gear 0.5 stand, which is the stand that Cody used to kill this buck. So um, if you guys are listening to this um, and you don't have the socials, just email me at hellera90 at gmail.com. Um, this is a free giveaway. Just kind of drawing, tell your friends, tell your buddies. Um, we're pulling in. We're going to try to pull in a bunch of uh, listeners, get some advertising for both of us. But uh, it's Heller, H-E-L-L-E-R, the letter A, and then the number's 90 at gmail.com. And just in the subject line, do LWCG. That's Lone Wolf Custom Gear. And just send that over to me. Tell me you want to be entered to win this. And what we're going to do is I'm just going to give everybody one entry who wants to jump in on this, and then I'll put it in an Excel spreadsheet. I'll hit the random number button generate generator or whatever, and then we'll get you a 0.5. All right. Yeah. So, and, and for those of you who don't know about the 0.5, I mean, it'll really, it'll significantly up your mobile game. Uh, oh. Very lightweight, five and a half pound running gun type whitetail stand integrates with the LWCG climbing sticks. And it's just, it's a banger of a rig if you're looking to have something on your back and stick and move. Yeah, no, it is. So yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't even own one. I have a friend oh, of mine. has. <laughs> <laughs> I know I, I'll buy, I'll buy, I'll buy one for sure. Um, but so a friend of my, a buddy of mine has one and, and he said, Hey man, I'm buying the, I'm buying the Lone Wolf custom gear setup this year. And I said, awesome. And he bought that one. And the other one, we were looking at another one, which is um, out on a limb manufacturing. There's some uh, local boys out of Oklahoma. Um, and we wanted to try that one too. Um, so my buddy bought the Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I bought the Hush uh, to try that this, this year. And next year, I'll certainly be running a Lone Wolf Custom Gear because I want to try that out. I really like my buddy Austin. I really like his. Um, nothing against your, your guys' product or anything. I just, I enjoy trying all sorts of stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the stand phenomenal. It's a phenomenal mobile run and gun setup. 
Um, like Cody said, extremely lightweight and very, very easy to set up. That's, that's the nice part for a lot of newer hunters out there, beginner hunters, like setting up tree stands, man, I'm sure you remember this Cody. Well, you probably don't. Cause you started setting up tree stands when you were two, but <laughs> <laughs> for, for normal people like me, when you start setting up a, a tree stand, when you're like 11, 12, 13 years old, it is the heart, like hardest thing when you're buying you know, the $50 ones from fleet farm or farm and fleet. And you're trying to set this thing up and it's just ridiculous. And you're sweating bullets. It's taking you a half hour man setting up, you know, that, that 0.5, the first time I ever set it up with two sticks, it took me less than 10 minutes. Like yeah. I was, I was in the, I was, I hung it and set it in less than 10 minutes. And I was like, okay, yeah, I got to start trying this. <laughs> yeah. It's so quick. So efficient. It is, yeah, it is that the thought that you guys put into it, phenomenal. I, I really appreciate the attention to detail, and I also appreciate just honestly the 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 fact that you guys aren't you're you're set on pushing the boundaries of what can be without price is a factor, but you guys are looking to create the best gear out there, and that and and then the price comes second. And I, I appreciate that because it drives the entire tree stand industry forward. Like, yeah. you know, the amount of people that are trying to like catch lone wolf custom gear, recreate what they have in their own way and, and up their game is, it, uh, you know, that's pretty much the entire industry is trying to catch you unless they're, you know, owned by a Chinese company and they're just looking for money, right. Just trying to turn margin. So there's plenty of those out there as well. <laughs> yeah yeah it, it 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 really you know i mean it's yeah innovation you know uh drives the you know the the manufacturing and the in the process of this of this gear and and um we've seen an opening um just a, you know a few years ago of, of you know for a while the the mobile industry was very stagnant and um we had had all these designs kind of thought up and 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 on the back burner and some that we're actually being used as, you know, as prototypes and I've been using stuff like that for a while. And, uh, and then, you know, we figured it was time, like, uh, especially when, you know, the mobile hunting and the, you know, got a little bit more popular and, and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really cool to see people, um, adapt to it and change their styles and have a lot more success and, um, all the things that have been, been done with the products over the last couple of years. It's really cool to see. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, Cody, if people want to find you, where, where can they go? Give them a reminder. Um, yeah. So if you want to, if you want a, a key in on what I'm doing uh, personally through the brands and all that, my, uh, usually I, I kind of stick to Instagram pretty, pretty strictly, but that's uh, Cody underscore DeQuisto, um, and Lone Wolf custom gear, uh, on Instagram as well. We do do some Facebook and, uh, the website is www lonewolfcustomgear.com fantastic all right awesome man thank you so much for popping on today appreciate it congrats on both bucks this year excited to listen to the story on your own podcast that it's going to be a three-parter so i'll certainly be be tuning into that um excited to hear all the details there and for everybody listening if you guys enjoyed the podcast enjoy hearing cody want to hear more of it first of all enter the giveaway Again, find my email or we're going to have posts on this on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok as well. Um, so certainly do that. Uh, uh, email again is in the description down below 
in the notes. And um, if you like the podcast, please subscribe, um, leave a rating, leave a review. Really appreciate that. It helps uh, helps other people find me. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. Hope you guys really enjoyed the podcast and learned something new and something that you guys can deploy, you know, this season yet. All right. So uh, here are the rules as promised in the intro. Here are the rules for the, the 0.5 giveaway. All right. So it starts on 1122 today when the podcast is posted and it will end on December 8th. Okay. So you got a couple weeks to get entered, but just do it right away if you can. All right, then there's two ways to enter. If you have social media, so you have a Facebook or an Instagram or a TikTok account, just go to my page, search Deervane. That's what I am on all three. Find the post there and the rules will be on there. All right, from the post, you can just find the rules there. It's gonna be something along the lines of follow Deervane and Lone Wolf Custom Gear, tag a friend, you get so many entries per, per people you tag, whatnot, and then comment what state you're in, all right, or what state you hunt. Uh, both Cody and I are very curious about this, where everybody's coming from. So please put that in your comment. All right. If you don't have social media and if you do have social media, please, please go ahead and use the social like channels to enter. Um, but if you don't have social media, then you can just email me. All right. And I know some people don't have social media and I honestly appreciate that. The only reason I have it is to grow this brand and to build awareness. Otherwise, you know, some of my best buddies don't have social media and I've, I very much appreciate that and uh, probably would be in that same boat if I wasn't trying to do this. So if you don't have social media, you can send me an email. Again, it's hellera90 at gmail.com, hellera90. All right, and then put the subject line as LWCG. That's Lone Wolf Custom Gear, LWCG. And in the body of the of the email, just say you listen to the podcast and you want to get entered to win the 0.5. All right, and then the winner will be selected on December 10th and hopefully we'll get it sent out that day as well. So then you guys can get it by Christmas and potentially even use it this season yet. All right, again, if you have social medias, please enter through the media social channels. But if you don't, again, totally cool. Just send me the email. All right. Thanks, everyone. Good luck the rest of the season and good luck in this giveaway. Appreciate all of you listening to this. Appreciate the reviews. Appreciate you guys telling your friends. I've gotten a bunch of uh, Instagram messages this year of bucks that people have killed based on guests that I've had and, and information that they've learned on the podcast. And that honestly is the reason why I do this. I I really, really enjoy helping other people become more successful. I like to learn a lot as well. And, and being the host, I get to talk to so many awesome people on the podcast. But again, I really enjoy you guys sending that information in. Um, it just it makes me feel good and it makes me feel like what I'm doing is actually reaching people all right, and, and providing some value to everybody. So um, again, if, if you have some success stories, would love to hear them. Certainly will share them on my channels. Um, but yeah, good luck the rest of the season and good luck in the giveaway.